Introducing Brian Breaker, the biggest icon in wrestling. Daniel Ross. This is the Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel. What is going on? What are you doing? We will not go quietly into the night. Hang on! Houston, you have a problem. Boom shakalaka! I'm sweating like a pig here. It's a lot of guitar! Mr. Freedom! Eat the pizza. Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again for another week of Saturday Morning Nostalgia. It is the Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel. I am Brian Breaker, and joining me every week on this epic dose of Saturday Morning Nostalgia is my good friend Daniel Cross. Daniel, we actually, I kind of told a lie, we haven't been on in a couple of weeks, but we are still here, man. We just had some scheduling issues. Yep, yep. Kind of the bi-weekly dose of nostalgia, but... uh... No, I'm ready to go, uh, and as always, you know, this is the only show in which pants are optional, but encouraged. Exactly. They are encouraged, but they are optional, and uh, we are going to try to bring you more Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel as often as we can, but life does get in the way at times. I have a crazy schedule. Uh, Daniel has three kids, so it is <laughs> it is difficult at times, but we are going to still try to keep bringing you the show because it's a lot of fun to do. Um, this week is going to be a great episode as we dive into... The best wrestling themes, which is a um, a pretty cool idea, because like wrestling music has been pretty big in our lifetime, right? I think most oh, yeah. most people that are into wrestling these days always remember, you know, wrestling themes. Uh, but before we dive into our, our main topic here, there was actually something I was kind of want to bring up to you just to see get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I just watched the new episode uh, just yesterday. A new season of the show Heels debuted. It's season two. Obviously, people don't know Heels. It stars Stephen Amell, and it's a show about independent professional wrestling, which is a first of its kind, really. Uh, there's not been a lot of shows or movies, really, about pro wrestling. And if they do them, they typically don't hit perfectly. Um, it's a very TVMA show, so obviously it probably wouldn't be one you'd watch in front of the kids. But I'm curious, Daniel, have you seen Heels or know too much about it? No, I haven't seen it. I know, uh, what's the channel it's on? Whatever it is, I know I don't get it. It's stars. Yeah, so I don't get the stars uh, streaming service or anything. But uh, no, I hear it's pretty good. I kind of hear, you know, as far as TV shows go, um, portraying pro wrestling, that it's one of the better ones out there. Or uh, kind of like The Wrestler was for, you know, movie-wise. So what are your thoughts on it? You like it? I like aspects of it. Other aspects of it absolutely drive me insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love for you to watch it at some point because I know it's not really a nostalgic thing, but here's why I want you to watch it. Because being a fellow professional wrestler and a graduate of the Harley Race Wrestling Academy, one thing that I feel like we all did is we uh, we paid attention to the details. And what gets me about this show is you'll see a guy do a backflip off the top rope, land on his feet, and it looks perfect. But he can't feed into a headlock and like uh, footwork and, and you know, this people that are in the, they're not in the business may not see it. But when I see it, it absolutely drives me insane. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is, so I know punk is on there, but do they have any other pro wrestlers on there that make little cameos or anything? Mick Foley had a, a little cameo in season one where he, uh, okay. 
where he was like a podcaster. He wasn't Mick Foley. He was playing a character. And um, I believe, like, there was an episode where Luke Gallows showed up, but he didn't have any lines. He was, like, in a battle royal that they were having. And I I don't know. It's one of those things where I think when you're close to an industry, it's very easy to be like, yeah, this is not accurate. But when you're... When you don't know as much about it, because I know back in the 90s, my dad was a fireman. And around the time uh-huh. I started as a fireman, they, they Fox did a show about firemen. And, like, it shows the guy jumping from a burning building to the ladder. Not accurate, obviously. But in his mind, he's like, well, it's cool they're doing a fireman show. It's not accurate at all, but it's kind of fun. I feel like that's kind of the same way here. Uh, Punk is actually really good on the show as Ricky Rabies. Um He's only kind of a he's more of a reoccurring character. He made one appearance in season one, and and then they brought him back for the series or the season finale. And he was actually in C, uh, the first episode of season two, although very very small role. He only had a couple of lines, but I feel like because they, they're they're using him as kind of like the star of yesteryear that's kind of coming in that still has some still has some drawing power type of thing. Like kind of like uh-huh. the, the the Ricky Morton or the Tracy Smothers, the guy that's been around and stuff. So it's a good role for him. And like I said, there's aspects I really like. There's aspects that absolutely drive me nuts. So I would love for you to check it out at some point and kind of give me your thoughts. Yeah, and you know, I've heard that too with like doctor shows when doctors watch Grey's Anatomy or Scrubs mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. That, you know, they kind of go through the same thing. Although I will say... I've heard Scrubs is the most accurate to real life uh, hospital life for doctors and nurses and all that. That makes sense. Um, but again, like we we're not doctors, so we assume like ER or or Grey's Anatomy are probably accurate because we don't. Right. Yeah. We don't know or any type of like medical drama, and I'm sure it's the same with um, you know Law and Order or any type of police detective show. You know, I'm sure there's elements that are just way off. At times, or any type of lawyer show, I'm I'm sure, but uh, yeah, I'll check it out sometime. Yeah, it's it's different. There's there's elements that are that are just so off the wall. Like I w- I was watching the episode last night, or the the season two premiere. Um, so the two main characters are Jack Spade and A Spade, which is Stephen Amell, and then Alexander Ludwig, which is his younger brother A Spade, and. It's like Ace. It's like a. It's like a when Ace made his wrestling debut, and he's kind of young in the business. So Jack is training him with the other guys, and that's when you see like shooting him into the ropes, and just the footwork and the way he does yeah. it, and all that stuff is just looks awful. But then they'll do like an up and over in the corner, and it looks great. And I'm like, <laughs> huh. yeah, I don't know. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, the up and over looks good. How come we're not paying attention to? Like the other stuff, which to me was, I don't know, like obviously there's footwork and stuff, but I didn't really have to learn like, hey, when you shoot a guy in the ropes, this is how you do it. Because we've all watched wrestling, right? Like there's yeah. there's some elements that where you, we do get it, right? Like we understand like, okay, if I'm going to, sh- if I'm going to grab a headlock, this is where my arms go. This is where my hands go. Like there's a few things like, yeah, you need to understand the mechanics of it or and you know this from being a wrestler happy feet's a big one uh-huh. um posture in a headlock all that stuff looked horrendously bad and i'm just like <laughs> you know like that's the although part I, that- I will say you know that's pretty true to uh indie life 
where you'll have one guy, you know, he's able to do every flip and springboard and everything else, and it'll look perfect, but then he doesn't know how to feed for a headlock, or he doesn't know to keep his chin up yeah. when he's in a headlock and those things. So maybe it is kind of accurate. <laughs> but And it's okay when the guy that's training doesn't look right because it shouldn't, but when the guy that should be the the veteran doesn't look good either, that's what I'm like, oh, uh-huh. you know, just the way that they lock up and stuff. I'm just like, and I understand. You're doing it for television, but I think a good lockup will look good no matter what angle you're in because we're trained, as you know, to work in front of large crowds, right? Like yep. early on, it was always like whether there's 10 people or 10,000 or 100,000, everything needs to look good for everybody. And so, um, I don't know. It was just one of those things where it was just a kind of elements of it bugged me. I would like other people who aren't in wrestling to watch it because I hear, I hear a lot of people like the show that aren't wrestling fans, so... Uh-huh. It could just be that I'm too close to it, maybe. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it seems like they should have some uh, wrestler, you know, on uh, on the set, you know, directing a few of those a few of those little things that you know normal people because it's it's like you said before. I think on this show when we were talking about other people and their training, the average fan will see somebody and uh, their footwork's all messed up, and all they know is. Well, that person doesn't quite look like, you know, the people on TV. Something's off. Something's, you know, not smooth about how they're moving, but they don't know what to look for. Um, So I think, yeah, it's kind of of the same thing. I think people watching, you know, heels or whatever they might think, well, that doesn't quite look like it does on TV, but I don't really, you know, know why. Well, it's kind of like about a year or so ago, I went and watched a pro baseball game, and I had never actually been to a pro baseball game before. I'm not a huge baseball fan these days. I don't watch it on TV or anything, but... Seeing the athleticism and how they, you know, will, you know, scoop a ground ball and fire it over to first and and catch the guy out by half a step is impressive. Oh, yeah. And it's like, wow, that's they're very good. There's that element of just like, wow, that looks easy. And I feel like when pro wrestling is done right, it kind of has that element, too. I don't know. And so there's just something about this that just like. I want it to be better, I guess. And I, they do have a pro wrestler on set that's working with them, so I don't know if he's just not, like, being vocal about it. Like, whoa, here, you need to work on I don't know. Just they're getting a payday? <laughs> Could be. You know, like, you'll see, like, one of the, and you'll, you'll see they'll show clips of the, the actual actors taking, like, backdrops and stuff. And wow. you yeah. can tell it's them because they don't really hide their face. So it's like, oh, wow, so that guy's actually taking a backdrop or that guy's taking a suplex. Like, that's impressive, but they're not, um, I don't know, they're not They're not paying attention to how he takes a headlock. And maybe that's not important to him, I don't know. But to me, it drives me crazy. Yeah, I can see that. So our, our main topic, obviously, of the week is... The best entrance music. Uh, entrance music obviously has been a huge part of pro wrestling since probably the mid '80s. Obviously, there was times where it was around before then, but you know, the boss Harley Race, not a big uh, entrance music guy, so never really something he probably cared too much about. Uh, but to me, entrance music was always one of those things. Like I always, I always think back to one of my favorite entrance themes because I feel like it helped get this guy to become one of the biggest stars in the history of the business, and that's the Ultimate Warrior. Maybe not, oh, yeah. maybe not the greatest in-ring competitor, but when that theme hit, I, I dare someone to not get excited. Sorry, my dog, yeah, that my was... dog's in here making noise. 
Oh, that's all good. He can be on the, she can be on the podcast. <clears throat> no, Ultimate Warrior, that was great. Uh, yeah, I would always, I got uh, a tape, you know, around Christmas time. I don't remember, 97 or something. Had some old matches on it. Ultimate Warrior was on there, and I would just rewind his entrance, you know, just to hear, just to hear that music. Um, cause again, back in the day, and I don't know if you, you, uh, dealt with this at all, but you couldn't go on YouTube and just, you know, look up someone's entrance theme. I actually would, uh, when I got a good length, it's hard to explain, but when I was like recording raw and those things, and I could get a entrance theme where JR and Lawler weren't talking too much and it was mostly just the crowd noise and the entrance, I actually had a microphone and a stereo, and I would record the themes on a cassette tape, and then I would just kind of play those in my room because I was a super mark. Oh, yeah. But granted, I was 12 years old, 11 years old, just so you know. But uh, anyway, that's, you know, that's what I had to do. And then we got, you know, then I could, this is a whole other area, but then WWF, the music volume, one, two, three, four, all those started to come out. I'm like, awesome. I've actually got the themes now that I can listen to. I remember in high school, the, uh, anthology. Oh CD yeah. came out and that was like, it was basically like then now forever, which is kind of their, uh, their big thing. Cause I was like, the one was like classic theme themes. It was like Hogan, Jake Roberts, Razor, um, all those diesel, I think was on there. And then like honky talk, man, ultimate warrior. And then they did, uh, and then they did, so it was then, then, um, maybe it was like, well, I don't think it was then now forever. It was like golden era, attitude era, uh-huh. and then present day. But like the present day had like Brock Lesnar's theme. It had Eric Bischoff's like I'm back theme. I remember we had a Kmart and I've talked about this on power hour before that was near our school that had a little Caesars in it. So we would often go eat at the little Caesars because no one else really went there. And then we could go look at the action figures and stuff at Kmart. And I remember that Tuesday because new new stuff always came out on Tuesday. Seemingly, yep. We had I was like we have to go to Little Caesars and I have to go buy this CD. And I bought the uh, that CD and I was like playing it in my car, just like jamming out. And I, I could tell some of my friends who were into it were like that was cool. <laughs> some were like, "What is this?" Because I'm like playing like Sable's theme song. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, I got that same CD, and I remember playing uh, the Million Dollar Man theme over and over again for some reason mostly because like a lot of those had never been released before right and like i said i don't know it was probably 2002 i don't know that youtube was really up and running you know as like it is today right so i mean when you think about that you just you couldn't just listen you know to these songs oh no doubt it was definitely a uh a different time for sure but i also thought the cds were cool because you could use it uh, if you're playing with your figures. And I remember having oh, WWF yeah. The Music Volume 2, which had, like, Stone Cold's theme, which was a big one, Ken Shamrock's theme, had the Nation of Domination theme, which was huge. So many uh, awesome themes. Like, I remember playing my boombox, and I would play, like, the Nation of Domination, and then, like, out comes Farouk and D'Lo Brown and all those guys. I was like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I didn't like two as much as three or four because two had those weird voiceovers, like Stone Cold song. It would start out, "You are completely pathetic." And that then, was so weird, wasn't it? Like, why didn't yeah. they just do the regular theme? Or like uh, Psycho said, "I am the master and the ruler of the world." 
and then, you know, play his song or Undertaker had some voiceover stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they decided to, you know, put those voices in there. But then, yeah, three, three came out and it was the just straight, straight music like you would hear on TV. So that was definitely the better of the, the two. Isn't it weird that they didn't put out like just tons of CDs of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, why wouldn't you just put out an anthology of everything right away? Cause, uh, I think they were, I think they were hot sellers. I think I remember whatever, uh, the, the third one going platinum or, or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I, I just, yeah, it, seem, it seems like a dumb thing to not put those out all the time, I guess. I'm like, no, this is like amazing. Like, why wouldn't you put these out every chance you got? But they didn't. Yeah, and you know, nowadays, obviously, no need for it. But back then, it was uh, it was a necessity if you wanted to hear. Because yeah, before then, I just had a little cassette recording of DX's theme, and uh, I think it was the DX because I heard it so many times. It was the DX. Remember when Shawn Michaels and Triple H came to the ring and they were dressed up like Uncle Sam and they were trying to promote Mike Tyson versus Stone Cold, so Shawn Michaels didn't have to fight uh, Stone Cold at WrestleMania 14. Oh, that, anyway, that he, they were like, let them fight. Yeah. Let them fight. I do remember that. So their entrance to the ring, that was my DX theme for like, you know, two years, you know, on a cassette tape. It's funny how thrifty you had to be in the 90s because so little technology was at your disposal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, you know, like you had to, to record stuff and things like that because, like you said, we didn't have youtube and all these theme songs and everything else like it's uh i don't know it's pretty wild now that you think about it yeah so i thought this was pretty funny i don't know if you're into uh misread or misheard lyrics but uh, there's a bunch out for pro wrestling themes so like uh matt hardy right his version one so instead of i can i think it's like i can slap a tornado i can dry up a sea but instead, it's I can slap a tornado, I can dry hump a sea. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I remember or, that being on one of the CDs, but it wasn't even like a uh, a specific song to Matt Hardy at the time. Right. They just put oh, a, yeah. You remember that? They would just put songs uh-huh. on there, and then all of a sudden, a guy would start using it. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, they did that with uh, CM Punk, The Fire Burns, or whatever that song was called. And then, like, yeah, a year later after that CD, then he started using it. Same with the MVP song, the I'm Coming, you know? Uh Uh-huh. That was on a CD. Because they had, like, that was another thing they did. Remember, like, when they made, like, WWE Aggression, and it was, like, all rap songs? Oh, yeah. I loved that one, too. Yeah. and I I loved it when they did those, or the metal one, or whatever. Because they were basically, they just kind of redid the themes and some guys would use them. Some guys like wouldn't cause they just didn't work. It was weird. Yeah. I like that one. It's the aggression. I think there was a, Oh, forcible entry. Yes. That one had the Rob Van Dam theme. Yep. That was probably my, actually that's probably my favorite WWE CD out of all of them that they released. Forcible entry is rock versions of songs. Again, some of them they used, some of them they didn't. That was the one that had the disturbed uh, stone cold song where it actually had lyrics. I always dug that song. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I don't remember what he says, but again, another misread lyric was, I'm breaking the lemon inside you. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like or, it's uh, so funny when people would argue that it's like it can't say that. Why would it say it that? It's like, a limit. Yeah. Or shame is it's a shameful thing, lobster head. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Good good times. So, are there any other <clears throat> themes that just to to you like will always like live on? Like to me, I ha- I have a few, but I'd like to hear some that that you really just have always dug. As far as living on, I mean, Stone Cold's theme, I mean, I feel like that's that glass breaking was just genius. And oh, I guess yeah. if people out there don't know, Jim Johnson was kind of the composer for WWE forever. And for some reason, they let that guy go. But that guy was a genius, you know, the oh, stuff yeah. he came up with for people. Because I really feel like currently, and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not watching the product as much, the songs don't hit me the same. Yeah, I feel like in some way they all kind of sound the same. Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, I know I heard Jim Johnson say once that, you know, his his theory was within one second of the song, you need to know who that person is. Right. So that's why everyone had a very distinctive beginning to their song. Stone Cold had, you know, the glass breaking, or even we talked about Matt Hardy, the, oh, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. So, or yeah. Or Undertaker has the gong, you know, yep. which is super iconic. But, yeah, that Jim Johnson, I've seen him um, even – do interviews where he like has a guitar and he goes, well, he's like a, you know, an undertaker. And so I kind of wanted a funeral, a sad funeral type song. And he just starts playing the undertaker theme, you know, uh-huh. like on his guitar. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. And then he just kind of basically revamps it. And I, I enough, a funny story for you. I took my nephew to the vintage toy mall yesterday. He found a, uh, elite Vader figure, which he was like, I want that one. Oh, that's cool. We'll get Vader. Because, you know, it's always cool to... He's got so many of the, the current day guys. I think it's kind of fun for him to add legends and stuff. Uh-huh. So it's like, have you ever heard Vader's theme song? And he's like, no. And so I played it on the car. And this is what he said to me, which really struck. He goes, well, that song kind of scares me. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like... Dum, dum, da, dum, 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 dum. I mean, it is kind of an intense uh-huh. song. And I'm like, wow, that's that's interesting. Like... But how many songs today kind of have that? None, I don't think. Like, there's something to be said about, like, a certain feeling you get when you hear a song. The Undertaker song, the early one was kind of scary. Yeah. Kane's song was kind of scary, you know? Yep. Like, there was always elements of all that stuff that I think really hit. And, um, but yeah, I think that Jim Johnson's very, very, very much responsible for a lot of that. And, yeah, he's, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, I agree. the songs, I mean, he's, you know, especially in the '80s and '90s, the music you know made made the character. I felt you know it was so such a big deal to have the right entrance music and along with like the right video when we're talking about the '90s. Yeah, um, Legion of Doom. I mean, that song was great. Oh yeah, and then the uh, you know like it was yeah. like a perfect beginning. And he, it he was definitely has put the beginning on there. Yeah, as Hawk was, you know, saying that, that's when the crowd, you know, as he's saying, you know, the crowd would just explode and come to their feet. And, uh, you know, the Road Warrior pop, as it was called. But, yeah, I think the music was responsible for a lot of that. Oh, for sure. Well, and then uh, even someone like Bret Hart, who always had cool music, but then he adds that crazy guitar riff around 96, you know, which was awesome. Like, is that, again, made that, that theme more iconic. Um, I don't know. There's so many good ones, and um, yeah, I don't know. I think that the entrance music is—I um, don't want to say it's lacking today, 
but I don't feel like it's the same. Yeah, and there's a lot of like underrated themes too. Like I really like Dan Severn's uh, oh, theme yeah. song. That I mean, it just it fit him so perfect. Yeah, because it was a little intimidating because it was like, yeah, this guy's legit and he's and he's tough and everyone knows he's tough and it's it it perfectly fits him. Um, uh, Abyss and TNA, I liked his th- song there for kind of when TNA was first starting. Yes, I thought I he had some pretty good music. Yeah, WCW did not, or or TNA and a lot of these other companies didn't weren't really ever known for their themes. But I'll tell you one that I think is absolutely perfect and still holds up is Goldberg's theme. Yeah, which I guess was just stock music. It was supposed to be for Sting at one point too. I heard. Uh, so yeah, I remember I was in a class in uh, high school and we were watching some I don't know Civil War movie or something. And it was just, or no, it was, it was actually showing footage, so it could have been Civil War, but maybe World War One or two. But it just showed all these troops marching. It was playing Goldberg's theme, and of course, I'm the only nerd in class. I'm like looking around to see if anybody else notices. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, well, hey, it guys, it's Goldberg. And no, of course, nobody cared. I remember on a few different occasions hearing Hardcore Holly's theme. Yep, and the Hardy Boys theme as like stock music on different like. You know, coming up yeah. tonight on Fox, and it, you'd hear like. Hang on one second. Sorry about that. My dogs wanted to make noise, of, as always, anytime I record. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of those themes always will. Like Jake Roberts is another one. Mister Perfect. Uh-huh. These these things are they're just. Oh, uh, Mister Perfect. So we were doing uh, Joe Henning when he had his first match. We were. We were doing one of these Hall of Fame things in Iowa. Iowa had a wrestling Hall of Fame every year, and they'd do a show, and they would bring Harley's group in. So Joe was getting Joe Henning was getting ready to have his first match, and uh, he walked. It was actually pretty cool. Ted DiBiase Jr. was there, and he walked to the ring with his dad, and then Joe Henning walked to the ring with Larry the Axe Henning. But, you know, Dan Geyer was on the mic, and he said, making his professional wrestling debut, Joe Henning. And then they played Mr. Perfect's theme song. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, the crowd went nuts, you know. And there's a pretty good – it was a Hall of Fame show. There's a pretty good-sized crowd there, maybe 400 people or so, four to 500. And, uh, yeah, the whole crowd just went nuts when he came out there. And, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty cool uh, WLW moment, you know, anyway. That was right before I started, like literally a few weeks before I started. Yeah, which, it was awesome, though. Yeah, that would have, have been very cool to see. I, um, But I, I agree. I think music, you know, wrestling themes in in wrestling adds so much to it. Macho Man's another one. Hogan, you know, with that early WWF theme was huge. Oh, yeah. The NWO. Oh, I love the NWO. Like their theme was so good. I never realized this till years later, but someone pointed it out. I was like, oh, wow, you're right. When the NWO yeah. started expanding, the job guys had their own theme, and the main guys had the classic theme. Did you ever notice that? No. What I, I did notice when the NWO came to WWE, they dropped all those cool little phrases, which actually we I put in our Rumble Wheel uh, mm-hmm. intro. But like they dropped all the you know sweet, you know that kind of stuff. Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oddly enough, each guy kind of had their own version because Macho Man, you would hear, oh, yeah, in his. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but no, like, if you go back and watch, like, when Big Bubba Rogers or, like, 
um, Masahiro Chono or those guys would come out. They had a, a it was a jobber NWO theme, and uh, and like the main theme would only be reserved when it was the big group or the top guys. And I had heard that uh. like that theme would get a pop because you know. It'd be like the Road Warriors theme or something. It's a huge one. And, like, they're all like, no, <laughs> that's for us, not for, not for all these other guys, yeah, which is kind of funny. Yeah, uh, I really like Sting's theme in WCW, the the Crow theme. Uh-huh. I thought that was pretty cool when he made, especially that first time. I don't know if it was the first time he used it, but that Starcade 97 entrance with all the the lightning and the little girl, I think, doing a voiceover. And, you know, it was pretty creepy type yeah. stuff. The Brood, the Brood had a great theme. That's one of everyone's all-time favorites. Everyone loved the Brood theme. I also really liked Lex Luger's like ninety-six, ninety-seven theme. After he came back, that I always thought that one was really cool. <laughs> yeah, Wolfpack and W.O. Wolfpack with the Wolf at the beginning. That so many good, so many good songs. That was a good one. Even like, um, and this is like a weird one, but Ray Mysterio Jr.'s WCW theme. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. It was just so it was so simple, but it was fun. You know, like there was a lot of those that were always really cool. And um, I don't know, man. Wrestling music will always go down as like probably one of the coolest things ever. And uh, I think it's really cool to see. What? Are, okay, this is a, a question. What are your thoughts when someone changes their theme music? Because I remember the one that really got me was when Randy Orton went from the "Hey, nothing you can say" to the uh, to what he uses now. The, yeah, you know, I hear voices in my head when he. First, I don't mind it when he yeah. first changes. Like I don't like this at all, but now I couldn't imagine him coming out to anything else. Yeah, as long as it's an upgrade, I'm I'm a fan of it. Like Drew McIntyre, his first song was awesome, that, and I can't believe they got away. From, same with Seamus. I I dream broken dreams. Yeah, yeah, that song's great. Like I can't imagine like anybody. I can't imagine a better theme for him or anybody. Same with Seamus, that first one where it's a shameful thing, and then lobster head. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I can't imagine anything better. And then they changed to more of a like a, almost a generic theme, and I'm like, oh, these this kind of sucks. Only thing about Seamus's new music I liked, I don't know if he still uses that or not, was when they would put the lights on him and they would like almost make him glow. Uh-huh. That part was cool. But that was like, I don't know, that was the only thing where I was like, okay, that's that's cool. But they could have done that with the old theme too. Yeah. But no, yeah, I- if they change it and it's like an upgrade or maybe they kind of more or less had generic stock music for a while and then they actually get a song with lyrics. And usually it's a good thing, yeah. but uh, not always. Not always. It's it's wrestling themes are always going to be a uh, semi controversial topic, I think, because it's like some of them just stick with you. Like I know um, when Kofi Kingston got his title match at WrestleMania, a lot of people wanted him to come out to the SOS, you know, Trouble in Paradise uh-huh. song. But it's like that song was kind of crappy. Like it wasn't. You know, it's like we're nostalgic for it because it was like a long time ago, but it wasn't that good. No, not really. So it's always interesting. Like um, I remember. A guy we both know, Teddy Biasi Jr., he had a lot of music because his music changed a lot. But, like, when they finally landed on that legacy song of, like, It's a New Day, It's a New Generation, that was a good one. Yeah. Like, everything was else good. was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, well, and I didn't really like his DiBiase posse music or 
I don't even whatever that him. was. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he only used he was pretty much on velocity or shows like that by then. Yeah. But uh, uh yeah, what a miss for for him. Or, yeah. Well, I mean, that's they were the they were really pushing him there for a second, you know, with. Uh, he was feuding with Randy Orton. Looked like he was going to break away from Legacy, and yeah. then I don't know. It happens sometimes. It's just uh, it's unfortunately that's just part of uh, part of the pro wrestling industry. You just never know. So I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you remember this, but he came out. Ted DiBiase. He came out and interrupted like a Triple H promo, and then uh, Triple H pedigreed him like through the announce table. And I pretty much knew him. Like, well, that's the end of Ted's push. <laughs> And sure enough, they pretty much put him on uh, the B shows after that. I remember being an extra at the, um, I think it was the 2012 Rumble. Is that where I was at? I think it, well, it was one of the Royal Rumbles. I think it was the 2012 Rumble, and he wasn't even in the Rumble match. Mm. And um, I remember, like, Dustin Rhodes comes up to him, because Yoshitatsu had the dark match that night. And Dustin Rose goes, okay, Ted, you've been in Japan, right? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, how many good Japanese wrestlers are there? He goes, there's a ton. He goes, how do we get the only one that sucks? <laughs> <laughs> and and then, like, they just kind of start talking in front of us. And he's like, what are they doing with you? And he goes, I, I don't know. You're trying to figure it out. And he's just, like, looking like, you got to be kidding. Because like, to me, Ted DiBiase was a surefire star. And, and what's cool. weird is we see Cody getting this push now. Which I'll be honest, I, I, I that's another one. I love Cody's American Nightmare theme. I think it's great. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a huge Cody Rhodes fan. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say his, what he's doing now in WWE fits him a lot better than what was going on in AEW. Yeah. In A in AEW, he just came across as I always called him like like the kid in school who's trying to be cool but isn't. Yeah, I that's agree to with me that. how he how he came across in AEW. Like okay, perfect example. I brought. I think I brought this up to you. I texted. I don't even remember what he was doing, but he was in his truck, and someone. It was during COVID, I think, and empty arenas and all that. Somebody was like, you know, mouthing him on the mic, and then they just flashed to him in his truck, and he's just like revving up his engine, right? Like he's gonna like bum rush the whole, like ram the ring with his truck, and he literally squeals his tires and moves like ten feet. And then he just gets out of his truck and walks to the ring. I'm like, oh, what a douche. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where I think when you're trying to come off as cool, it just never works, you know? No. So I feel like he's gotten more organic now and, and, and stuff, and I feel like he's becoming more of a viable top guy, I guess. But, no, I, I really like his theme. And I feel like it kind of suits him better. But what I was going to say, though, if you looked at DiBiase and Cody together, DiBiase was the star. And I think most people yeah. would agree with that. It's just crazy how things have changed. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe if Ted had left and, you know, gone on the indies for something instead of just kind of retiring or quietly retiring, yeah, you know, maybe he could have had another run in WWE because, uh, you know, they're definitely looking for stars. So, But – didn't work out that way, and now he's kind of in a little trouble. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, bad stuff. But uh, I think it's probably about time to spin the wheel again. We got about six topics left on the wheel, so uh, we'll yeah, let's we, do it. Uh, we see what's next here. All right, here we go. 
All right, so this will be next week's episode. This will be a fun one. Um, the Sandlot. Nice. So uh, this, to me, is one of the uh, classic movies of the 90s. Everybody loved The Sandlot. Uh, hey, quiet. Quit whining over there. My dog's whining. Um, but I got to know, like, before, obviously we'll do a deep dive next week, but I'm sure you've seen The Sandlot. Have you watched it any time recently? No, but I remember everything about it because we literally watched it just about every day uh, for a couple of summers in a row. It was like it was we uh, we would watch it, and then it was like we so badly like wanted to be those kids, like we wanted our own personal baseball field to go play wiffle ball on, and we tried to like kind of create that amongst my friends, you know, when we were you know ten, eleven, twelve. Oh yeah, yeah. We all tried to kind of recreate, you know, what we saw saw on that. It was, so. it was it was a great film. I I think every I had heard there's some supposed to be some type of Disney Plus reboot of sorts. I I haven't heard anything on it in a while, but Disney Plus was kind of like wanting to do that with everything. Like they wanted to reboot Home Alone, and which they did. They did a new movie and National Treasure. They were going to make a series, which they did, and a lot of other stuff. So I imagine this is on the horizon. Yeah, I did. They made like a sequel to The Sandlot, which I never saw. They did two direct to DVD movies, and they were neither one any good. I yeah, saw okay. the I second never saw one. either one. I saw the second one, and it was just abysmal. The third one, I was like, I can't bring myself to watch it. But usually, those aren't good. It's just like capitalizing on a name, and it's never the same people. It's just it never it never works. And this one definitely didn't. There's always this uh, meme that goes around that has all the kids from the Sandlot, and it says something along the lines of, one day they all went out to play, and none of them realized it would be for the last time. Yeah. You know, that one always gets me. It's kind of crazy, because when I grew up, I had a neighborhood full of kids all around my same age, and it's like, I haven't spoken to any of them in, like, years. Most of them, I don't even know where they are. And a lot of them, I don't even know their last names because it was just like, oh, that's Michael. No idea what Michael's last name was, but we played in the front yard and the backyard every day almost, you know. So it's it's kind of it's kind of a an ironic thing how how easily that can happen. Yep, it is. All right. Well, thank you guys for checking out the Saturday morning Rumble Wheel, and we will see you next week when we dive into the Sandlot. So remember, and always. Join us here on Saturdays for that weekly dose of nostalgia.